Vikings start the 2023 season on Sunday. We have the perfect analyst to get into all the issues involving the Vikings and all the best teams in the NFL. We'll do a season preview. We'll talk about the Vikings. We'll make our picks. We'll talk about Bosa's deal and how it affects Justin Jefferson's negotiations. Uh, we are lucky to have Jeff, Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager, as our host of this show. This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Again, you can go to TalkNorth.com to find all of our other shows, including the Viking Update show and John Krasinski on the Timberwolves. We appreciate you listening. Let's let's start here, Jeff. Uh, how di- this is it's not very often that an NFL team or a Vikings team wins 13 games. That is a very, very high bar. And looking through Vikings history, you know, ever since the Tarkenden days, things haven't always gone all that well the year after a Vikings team wins 12 or 13 games. How difficult is it to back up a performance like that? It is obviously difficult, especially when you have 11 one-score wins and eight come-from-behind victories, which kind of seems like a bit of an anomaly, shall we say. But I think that what can fuel this Viking team, and especially the veteran leaders on the team, such as Cousins and the guys such as even Justin Jefferson, Daniil Hunter, some of the star players, is just the disrespect that the Vikings are getting in in terms of preseason prognostications among the national media, for one thing. And when you, when you think about the Vikings win the division last year, and we've talked about this before, they win the division by four games over the, over the Lions. And yet the Lions are very much the consensus pick to win the division. Why? Well, yeah, they won whatever six of their last eight or whatever, but people forget in a game where they needed to win in Carolina, they got blown out uh, with their second or third last game of the year. And so I, I think people are jumping on Detroit a little prematurely, shall we say. And we'll, we'll see what the Lions do this year. Yeah, they had a top five offense last year with Jared Goff and company. But they got to get it done. Their defense was about dead last in the league. And they've added some pe- some pieces with Cam Sutton uh, and Gardner Johnson in the secondary. But yet, th- they haven't proven it. So I think it's, it's really a slap in the face of the Vikings. And I'm sure that Kevin O'Connell is going to use that. I asked him that in a, in a press conference at, at training camp. And he said, he said, "Yeah, th- I may pull that one out at some point." <laughs> so it's it's a uh, it's interesting, and I think that can really help fuel this Vikings team. Even though they lost some some key starters last from last year, and we and we know who they are: Kendricks and Thielen and Peterson, Sedaria Smith, Tomlinson. But we'll see if they're able to replace all those guys. It, it looks like they can. And, but it's going to be on players such as Jordan Addison as a rookie to be able to do that and prove it and be a top three receiver on this team, an impact player, guys on defense, the the young corners, Murphy and Caleb Evans and Mackay Blackman, Andrew Booth Jr. I'm still apprehensive about him, 
So th- there are question marks about this team. But, Jim, there are question marks about every team. And, and you look at even the Super Bowl teams from last year, they've had, had to replace a lot of key starters because of the salary cap and other issues. Patrick Mahomes is missing his blindside protector in Orlando Brown, who's now protecting Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, which is part of the reason why I think the Bengals are going to win the AFC. And the Eagles lost seven starters, but they retool because Howie Roseman, their GM, does voidable deals and works cap magic to keep top players such as Jason Kelsey and their their great corners, Slay and Bradbury, Fletcher Cox, keeps these guys. So the Vikings, I think, I still believe as I look at their schedule, and and I know we're going to break it down today, but I still think they can win this division. Well, I was going to save this for later in the show, but let's get right to it. How would you pick this division right now? What do you? What are the expectations for each of these teams? To me, I think the Vikings and the Lions are probably going to come down to those last three games of the year when they play twice. And I look for the Vikings to to win the division. I've got them at ten and seven. I've got the Lions at nine and eight, and still sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card. But I think that that key game will be Week 16 in at US Bank Stadium when the Vikings host the Lions, and I think that's the that's the game that's going to turn the tide for for the Vikings to beat out the Lions in this division. Certainly, the schedule is is very difficult early on for the Vikings. They've got five playoff teams in the first seven games, and. I think it also is what creates pressure to get this opening win over Tampa Bay, who is one of those five playoff teams, by the way, but they had a losing record at eight and nine last year. And they're replacing a legend in Tom Brady with Baker Mayfield. That That's a huge question mark in Tampa Bay, but they've got a top 10 defense. They've got some really good players on that defense, such as Shaq Barrett and, and their two linebackers, Devin White and Levante David. They've got two great receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So I think a lot, a lot of Viking fans looked at the schedule when it came out and they saw, oh, Tampa Bay at home in the opener? Yeah, that's a breeze. They had a losing record last year. They still won their division. They don't have Tom Brady. This is not going to be an easy game, but I think it's really an important game for them to get off to a good start because looking ahead, What's coming in week two on Thursday night in Philadelphia? Yikes. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that's a rough one. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. If they come out one on one first two weeks, that's just fine. Uh, the, there's a very soft stretch in the middle of the season where they should make their bones if they're gonna if they're gonna pull away in the division. And then like you said, uh, the last three weeks, three division games against potential rivals, that the season could come down to that. Um Here's what way I look at the Bucks. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overlooking them. I thought that last last year to get to eight wins, Brady had to have pull off two or three absolute miracle last minute comebacks that I'm not sure any other quarterback could have pulled off. And now you're replacing with Baker Mayfield. I could see this team with a lot of their better players starting to age and really not a lot of hope going to the season. I could I could see the Bucks not being that good this year. Yeah, and I, and I think that that that's a could be an accurate assessment. And they they've got, as I said, some really good players on defense. 
but some of those guys are aging, like like Levante David and 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 they are their excellent nose tackle. But they've they've got some really good corners, and I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup when you when you look at Dean and Davis on the corners going against Jefferson and Osborne and Addison in this game. The I think one of the the big elements to me with the Bucks last year they were the last ranked team in rushing in, in the NFL, and and their offensive line other than Tristan Wirfs is a little shaky. And I think the Vikings can make some hay there. Daniil Hunter, who I expect to line up a lot of on the left side going against the, the Bucks' right tackle, uh, since Wirfs is on the left side. I think I think Hunter could have a big game in the in this particular game. I think that could be the the turning point for for the Vikings because it's not going to be easy in the first game to to generate a ton of offense against that Bucks defense. I think they can make enough plays on offense, but I think the defense and, and we know there's lots of question marks on the Vikings defense. And if those corners can't make can't match up at all against Evans and Godwin, then there could be trouble. But that Bucks rushing attack lasts in the league last year. And not that the Vikings were any great shakes running the ball. They were 20, 28th in rushing. But and both teams were highly ranked top ten teams in passing. But I think the Vikings have a better chance to be able to run the ball, have some success running the ball. The Bucks were not as strong against the run as they were against the pass. And which then says, okay, Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler. They need to come through, and that Vikings offensive line needs to come through. And you think about a guy such as Ingram at right guard, is he going to be better in his second year at Ingram to help solidify an offensive line that has got five guys that were drafted in the first two rounds? We know the tackles are great, Darisaw and O'Neal. Will the inside three guys still be as good? Garrett Bradbury, who they re-signed, He's got a big task opening day against against Vea. Uh, and the last time we saw Bradbury, he was struggling against Dexter Lawrence of the Giants. Yeah. Uh, let's, I think the most fascinating aspect of this Vikings team, at least the most fun to talk about, is the passing game. They're heavily invested in the passing game. Uh, they're probably going to de-emphasize the running game at least a little bit. And now they've added Addison. Now they're starting a season with Hawkinson. How do you see the four primary receivers? Uh, Jefferson, Hawkinson, Addison, and KJ Osborne. How do you, what do you see the distribution being like for those four? Well, I think they they still have to target JJ at least ten times a game, and we know that's going to happen. I don't see him hitting his his target of two thousand yards in this offense because there are so many other weapons, and because Jefferson's going to get so much attention in double coverage and bracket coverage, which then puts the pressure on K.J. Osborne, Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, even Ed Oliver as a second tight end. I'm going to be really interested to see how they employ Oliver in this offense. And Josh Oliver, I'm talking about. Yep. When they when they invested heavily in him, $7 million a year deal for a guy that had very few catches in the past, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, but Josh Oliver, look, watching him in training camp, he got a lot of targets, and he is a big target too. So he's a guy that could be sneaky, productive for them in the passing game, in the red zone. I, I just don't. Th- I think Jefferson is going to have a great year. He's going to be a first-team All-Pro. 
He's going to have 1,600, 1,700, maybe 1,800 yards again. But I just think the distribution is going to be a little more balanced to Addison, Osborne, Hawkinson. And, but it's going to be interesting to watch. I think, I think that Alexander Madison's a good receiver out of the backfield. I think they're going to run a lot of screens to try to slow down the pass rush. But they still need to run the ball. And we know the Vikings are going to, and, and O'Connell wants to, wants to be a, a, a top six, top five passing offense as they were last year, and they probably will be. I think Cousins will have a really good year in his second season with O'Connell, first time he's been with the same coordinator, same play caller in successive seasons in his Vikings career, as we've talked before about, which is a, which is a real positive for, for Cousins. And we know that Kirk always likes to play with a chip on his shoulder, and he's got it again because this is last year under, under contract. So there are so many subplots to the season, which, make, which makes it really interesting. Ultimately, to me, I think the offense is going to be really good again. Can the defense improve under Brian Flores? That's the biggest question mark to me, and especially those young corners. Can they stay healthy? Can they produce? Can they make plays in the secondary? Can the pass rush hold up? Can Marcus Davenport have a rebound season after only a half a sack last year when they invested in him? Can Hunter stay healthy, have a double-digit or 15-plus sack season, set himself up for his next big deal? The biggest question marks are on defense for this team, and that's going to be interesting to, to see starting this week against a quarterback that they should be able to get to. And watching Flores and his schemes, it's going to be fun to see lots of blitzes. Harrison Smith, I'm sure, is, is licking his chops because he'll get more opportunities. Asamoa is a, is a guy. Look for him to get some more blitzes. And so it's going to be fun to, to watch that Vikings defense and see how they stack up. And, and maybe more so in week two when they run into the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yes. An inside football question for you. Can Oliver's presence, because he's basically an offensive tackle who can catch passes. I mean, he's a heck of a blocker. Can his presence help in the middle of the offensive line in any way? Is there a way of scheming it so, you know, Darisaw, O'Neal, and Oliver can help out the, the interior offensive line? Yeah, I, I, certainly there is. I mean, he could do some some chipping. He could do some, some motion and, and help pick up the pass rush inside. C.J. Ham can can do that too. Uh, CJ is a, is one of the better, best fullbacks in the NFL and, and a great pass blocker. So he can help too. And I think that's what you'll, you'll see in terms of trying to help those inside guys, because that, that is the, the question mark on that offensive line. Uh, I, I'm going to be interested to see how well Ingram, how much Ingram improves this year. Ezra Cleveland is going into a contract season. And, and we know Bradbury has, has been up and down. Uh, the, the playoff game was a difficult one for him, but he was coming off the back injury where he'd missed several weeks. So, yeah, I think the offensive line is going to be another interesting thing to watch for sure. And, and I think Josh Oliver can definitely help in pass protection. All right, let's talk about the Vikings in the context of the rest of the league, what we expect from the rest of the league. First, though, let's thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. The White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, 
with my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell. They're fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You will find 0.9% APR and a $3,250 purchase allowance on 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s, 2.9% APR, and a $750 purchase allowance on 2024 Buick Encore GX, 1.9% APR and $500 purchase allowance on 2023 GMC Terrains, plus no monthly payments for 90 days on these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. If you're interested in sponsoring the Jeff Diamond Show during this very interesting season, send me an email at jsouhan at startcommune.com. I'll get hooked up with our, our sales staff. Uh, we'd love to have you. This, is, this show will be a, a great listen all season, at, just as it was all off season, as Jeff was so uh, so good at predicting exactly how a lot of contract situations would play out. Speaking of contract situations, we're talking here on Thursday morning. You know, Justin Jefferson could sign a deal any any time. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen there, but but let's look at Justin's situation uh, through the the prism of Joey Bosa's new deal. Yeah, and actually, it's Nick Bosa. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. Joe, Bo- I, I I got my my Bosa's mixed up. Nick Bosa. I'm, I'm Joe, Joe. Joey already got paid a couple right. of years yep. ago by, by the Chargers, but Nick Bosa uh, surpassed him and T.J. Watt as, as the highest paid, not only edge rusher, but the highest paid defensive player, highest paid non quarterback with his five year, 170 million dollar extension, and 122 millions guaranteed. And that's the new money. So when you factor in his, his, uh, I guess, 19, 20 million he's playing for this year, he's still uh, going to be making a ton of money. Aaron Donald was the previous highest paid defensive player at 31.7 million. So, so Nick Bosa is the new target, I would say, for Justin Jefferson, who wants to be, be the highest paid non quarterback in the NFL. And I think he stands a pretty good chance to get to Bosa's money on that five-year, $170 million new money deal, which w- when you then factor in Justin's last two years under contract, which are for $4 million this year, $19 million next year, it would still take him in a little bit under Tyreek Hill, which is why I think Justin may even surpass Nick Bosa's new money in the contract, unless they rip up one of, one of Justin's years on the deal <coughs> to make the average per year higher. But I expect Jefferson <laughs> to sign probably very soon, if not this week, maybe next week. But I think this deal is going to get done, and maybe he was waiting on on the Bosa deal because, as I said, that could be his target to be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league. All right, let's look big picture now. Who do you expect to be in the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I, I wrote a piece for 33rdteam.com. Uh, the national website that I, I do some writing for. And I, my my story this week was why I favor the Eagles in the NFC and to win the Super Bowl and why I don't think the Chiefs are going to get there. And a, a big part of that reason is who these teams lost 
in free agency. I think that, as I said, the Eagles lost seven starters off last year's team. The biggest loss was Javon Hargrave, but then they have the last two first-round picks, Jalen Carter, the very controversial defensive tackle from Georgia, and Jordan Davis the year before from Georgia at defensive tackle. I think those guys can make up for Hargrave. And then you look at, as I said, Howie Roseman, the GM, brought back most of the key players. He gets Jalen Hurts signed on a big extension. They are just loaded at with pass rushers, and they had Nolan Smith as an edge rusher in the late first round to, to help Hassan Reddick and, and all the other pass rushers on that team. They had 70 sacks last season. I, I just think Hurts in the offense with with Brown and, and Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith at wide receiver, and I, I think they're running backs. They trade for DeAndre Swift, and and they pick up Rashad Penny, a former first-round pick of Seattle. Gainwell was their leading receiver as a back. They lost Miles Sanders, but I just think this Eagles team is is just loaded with talent. I, I think the other big advantage for them is the NFC is not as strong as the AFC. And as I look at the NFC, Jim, I, I really see two solid challengers for Philadelphia, and that would be San Francisco and Dallas. I think there are four other teams that are possible contenders, but realistically, they're long shots. And I'll put the Vikings in that group, the Giants, the Seahawks, and we'll throw the Lions in. The NFC South, who the Vikings open with with Tampa Bay, there, there are no teams that could be considered threats. Then you look at the AFC, the Chiefs have to contend with, really, I think, three other elite teams in Buffalo, Baltimore with Lamar Jackson's new deal, if he can stay healthy, and the and the Cincinnati Bengals, if Joe Burrow stays healthy, I, I think the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. As I said, if Burrow can stay on the field, you look at their offense. They got the the best group of pass receivers, uh, led by uh, led by uh, Jamar and and T Higgins, and it's just uh, they are they are just loaded with talent. They add Orlando Brown to, to help protect Burrow. It's uh, Jamar Chase I was talking about. I, I think the AFC is, is just loaded with, with uh, potential contenders for Kansas City. The Chiefs, as I said, lost some really key players, uh, most notably Orlando Brown. They've got Chris Jones, their all-pro defensive tackle, holding out, and he's threatening not to show up till midseason. Frank Clark is gone, another top edge rusher. And so if Jones holdout continues or lingers on, it, it could really hurt the Bengal or hurt the Chiefs in terms of the race for home field advantage in the AFC. And if they're not playing at Arrowhead, we, we know, hey, I'm not gonna sell Patrick Mahomes ever short or Andy Reid. But I just think this year things are set up for the Bengals to win the AFC. And I think I think the Eagles beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Uh, my pick is Eagles over the Chargers. Uh, so we were kind of on the same page there. All right, let's get to it. Uh, I I never know how much to talk about him. He's he's a pain in the butt, but he's also in his own way fascinating. It's a fascinating situation now. Aaron Rodgers in New York. Do you see that working? I think it's going to be questionable. I think their offensive line is the key there to give Rodgers enough protection. We know he's got the quickest release in the league. He's got some really good skill players, including now Dalvin Cook, 
uh, Garrett Wilson, the reigning offensive player of the year, or, or offensive rookie of the year at wide receiver. So he's got plenty of weapons, but will that offensive line hold up? Dwayne Brown is 38 years old at left tackle and coming off an injury. They had they were banged up inside during preseason, so the offensive line hasn't had a chance to work that much together. They have a very tough opener with, with the Bills on Monday night, which is obviously going to be a, a fun game to watch during opening weekend. I think I think the Jets are are very hard team to predict. I think the Rodgers can lift them. Their defense was a top five defense last year, so I, I have the Jets in the playoffs. But I don't see them being a Super Bowl threat this year. I, I think they can make the playoffs, win maybe nine ten games, get in there. But beyond that, I, I don't see them doing much damage. All right, let's wrap up this show uh, with another expert view. As you're watching the Bucks and the Vikings on Sunday, what are you going to be most interested in tracking? What do you think is going to be most pivotal both for that game and for a hint as to how the Vikings are going to be this year? I think a couple things. I think can the Vikings run the ball enough to slow down that Tampa pass rush and give Kirk Cousins – some protection on, on the offensive line. I think the, the running game is, is really important this week for the Vikings. And conversely, can they completely shut down that Bucks last rank pass running game from last year to, to then pin their ears back and go after Baker Mayfield? Uh, I think the pass rush is important. I'll be watching Marcus Davenport. I really honestly didn't see a lot from him in preseason to get me cranked up about him, but maybe he was holding back and waiting. And then those Viking corners, can they hold up in coverage against Evans and Godwin? Those are the things I'll be watching for. And then, as always, how explosive can Justin Jefferson be against two really good corners and and a lot of double coverage, including Antoine Winfield Jr., the former Gopher, who who's a really good player at safety for the Bucks. So it, it's I think it's going to be a fun opener. I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people think, but I do think the Vikings can repeat remember back in 1998 Jim the Vikings yep. opening at home against the Bucks Randy Moss's debut and the Vikings rolled that day 31 to 7 that was a fun game for me to sit and watch <laughs> as the GM at the time it's, I don't think it's going to be that kind of game on Sunday I think it's going to be a closer game I'm going to say Vikings 27 17 well, we're on the same page. I think it's going to be like 32-18. And, of course, uh, very little chance either of us will be exactly right. But I think we both have it in the same ballpark. We both think it's going to be an interesting game where they, they're going to pull away and win handily. It's going to be a fun season talking to Jeff. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening to TalkNorth.com. Once again, th- thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks to White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Remember, if you like the show or any show at TalkNorth.com, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. So for Jeff Diamond, Brandon Morton, this is Jim Suhan. Thanks again for listening.